You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And it's October. And as with every October, we like to get ourselves into the Atrax Morgue Zone and Slaughter Productions. And I think we, we dipped a little too heavy this time because we couldn't decide what to talk about. So we picked a bunch of things to talk about, and uh, this is our little uh, We Love Slaughter Productions episode. It certainly is. We picked three Slaughter Productions cassettes to discuss, and a fourth one, a compilation to discuss on the Extra Noise Extra. So we will be discussing Slaughter Age 95 on the Extra Noise Extra segment over on the patreon and for this regular episode we picked three tapes that come all come from different countries and all represent some different sides of slaughter productions stratum terror the only true septic whore contagious orgasm defective merchandise and slogan, a breed apart. Oh, yeah. Very excited to discuss all three of these fantastic cassettes. Are you excited, Tara? I am very excited. Are you excited, Greg? I've been excited. I've been looking forward to this one. I have, too. This has been a really cool week because while normally we listen to the album we're discussing and immediately record for this episode we listen to these releases throughout the week so it set a slaughter productions tone for multiple days hence this episode also acts as our recent listening because this is the world we've dove into for this episode. Yeah, we've just been listening to Slaughter and Atrax Morgue and Mortar Machine. And I had forgotten this, that Mike ha- shares a birthday with Marco Corbelli. He was born exactly 10 years after Marco. Isn't that wild? Hmm. I see some similarities. They're my brand of maniac. But before we get into... These three cassettes, a quick word from our sponsors. Remorseless Greed is the 700th release on Hospital Productions, a double C60 packaged in a metal can with sand. The contents are secret and one must excavate the tomb to see who's inside. Addition of 350 cans for the living, the dead, and the immortal. Established in 1990, Cold Spring is the UK's premier label, specializing in new and rediscovered industrial and esoteric music, such as Coil, Psychic TV, Mertzbau, MZ-412, FM Einheit of Einsters and Neubauten, Trepanierings Ritualen, Burial Hex, Sleep Research Facility, Zoskia, Film Soundtracks, and much more. You can find our large mail-order catalog at coldspring.co.uk or in the USA via forcedexposure.com. So I guess we'll approach them in the order they were released, and the first one would be Stratum Terror's Only True Septic Horror. And this is uh, Peter Anderson of Raison d'Etre fame. 
Uh, something actually that would have been in my recent listening because I jammed Prospectus One <laughs> recently as well. So good. Actually, mm-hmm. we listened to it because you were listening to it. <laughs> yeah, good, good move. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> that happens. And I'm sure that that was the first of his projects that I had heard just through the Cold Meat connection. But shortly thereafter, Malignant Records did a Stratum Terror CD, and I would have gotten that as I was buying a lot from Malignant back then. And something I actually sort of associate with the CD arm of Slaughter, you know, a lot of those artists or that vibe seem to carry over as one of the American labels that did a lot of that stuff in the 90s and, of course, through his zine Audio Drudge. But... Yeah, this is a different take than the sort of haunting ambience of his main project. This is mechanized industrial death. Oh, no question. And yeah, the that first raison, I say detra. I know some people, I don't, is what is the proper way to say, is it raison debt? Is that the proper way to say that term? Raison debt. I don't it's know like either. A, it's Look, like a... we all know how we pronounce things. <laughs> but the that first CD is 93 and the first Stratum Terra is 94, at least according to release date. So roughly around the same time, but it is very much its own thing. This tape, which would then eventually be released as a CD with more tracks, and you can still pick this up digitally on Bandcamp. We'll, of course, have a link for that. This tape is just that pure, dark, synth, industrial, oppressive atmosphere from the beginning. Yeah, that sort of uh, abandoned factory mechanization sound, mechanization sound to it. Um, Just... So much atmosphere, and I feel like what he's able to communicate with Rizonde is different than what is being portrayed to us here. This is a much more sinister, nefarious approach to his sound, where a lot of that stuff I find a little more pleasant <laughs> in tone, or or maybe not pleasant, but sorrowful and longing instead of menacing. I would agree with that. And I really like the the sounds and use of rhythm here. I think it's maybe one of his strong suits, which I think we'll probably discuss a little bit later on too, is there's a track on Slaughter Age 95. And this is only this is only four pieces on this tape. Uh, and like Mike said, there's a CD reissue of it with, that nearly doubles the runtime. <laughs> so you get uh, you get a lot more content there but i like the idea of just sort of a shorter mid-length tape to communicate an atmosphere yeah this has searing tones that lift off and fly you away on bat wings it's so moody there's so much tension on this release and you know i i think after listening to so many slaughter releases this week you know mike and i were discussing it does feel like artists specifically catered to slaughter and and made their sound change a little bit and adapt to suit a slaughter release. It's something we're going to get to on a one of the cassettes coming up here. And I do feel that 
there's certain labels when you're submitting a master to you think about the label and the atmosphere of the label and maybe record accordingly. And this oppressive, dark, death industrial is perfect for slaughter. And it just has these rhythmic elements that crunch and crush and are continually added to that the sense of movement is constant on this. And Gray, I also agree. I love, this is a C30. In mm-hmm. fact, all this and the contagious orgasm are C30s and the slogans are C40. A lot, there's a lot of C60s slaughter, A-tracks would do some long tapes. I love a good C60. Obviously, Slaughter Age is a is a longer release, but the C30 element to this gives it something. Maybe it sticks with you a little more because, right, it's four pieces that you can listen to over and over and again. And they're very memorable yes. and distinct in, in what you have in each of the passages. And in addition to having four distinct tracks, the packaging is phenomenal. Yes, like it I, is. I, I, it's unbelievable. There's like a Crux de Crusada on the cover. It's a lithograph of St. Andrew's Cross. It is a person who is bound up in rope, holding a hammer, and underneath it, it reads, singular attempt at suicide. Yeah. And it's in the great trademark, as far as I'm concerned, slaughter vellum packaging. He, we wouldn't always do that with every release. In fact, one of the releases we're discussing today doesn't have that, but many did. And I like too that with this Stratum Terror, it's repeated on the vellum and the flower paper. So it gives you a really strange feeling when it's placed over it. Yeah, there's an elegance to it. There's a very traditional muted floral motif underneath that looks as though it could be like a a dress pattern or wallpaper and it's grays and browns. But then again, you have the, the lithograph of torture, of suicide, and also repeated on the back, there are decapitated people and numbered implements of what I assume are torture. Like number one is a hammer and two is nails and three is a rope. And, you know, and that motif continues onto the inner vellum sleeve, which has even more implements of doom and machines that could chop someone's head off. Somebody tied to a bed that says a strange and horrible suicide. And what's interesting about this is that, as Tara said, there's a vellum sleeve sleeve, which clearly was cut and hand glued by Marco and folded where the tape rests. I haven't seen, or at least to my memory, this in a slaughter. Have you? Do you? Can you think of one, Gray? It must. It might be another one. Just off the top of my head, mm-hmm. I can't think of one. Nothing I have. And you know, one of the funny things about this is looking at sort of the different eras of Marco making tapes and the different things that are in or are supposed to be in them, according to other people's copies or whatever. Sometimes I feel like he would 
make a run and then run out of something or decide he wanted to change it and it would get changed. And so like my copy of a breed apart has slaughter labels, not the address label. That's what I always assume those were, were address labels he had printed with the slaughter logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that are usually on the tape going like vertically across the, uh, the window to see how much has been played on the A side. But instead have the sort of square glued on, well, they were glued on at one point, uh, never in my owning of the cassette have they been glued on, Slaughter, uh, Slaughter Productions tape release labels, and they look fantastic. They look so cool, but you don't see those on a lot of them. Most of my Slaughter tapes have the Slaughter address label with the logo on it, the, that gold sticker that is just like prevalent on so much. Our copy of Fatal Impact Unlimited Vision has those same labels mm-hmm. that your slogan has. But do uh, they cover the holes? Yes. Yes, yeah, the type uh, you would Fatal have to Impact, cut through. They cover the holes. So they've never been on your tape then, Greer. Do you think somebody removed them so they wouldn't have to cut through them? I'm sure they fell off whenever. And I Yeah, like like a good old tape label that's not an actual tape label. Yeah. I yeah. think most of our old Europa tape labels aren't attached to the tape anymore. I feel like they might have been stuck when it was put in the bag and <laughs> sometime between then yeah. and when it got first taken out, they were not stuck on there. But Yeah. I, I I like that too. It's always funny when you have an old tape and you just have those. You know, we talked like, yeah, try and find like a good glue stick to put them back on. But your bonding paper to plastic is tricky business. And mm-hmm. especially, you know, you could use something like spray glue, spray adhesive, but you're gonna get it where those those uh holes are. And then even when you're trying to cut it out, that th- that portion of it is gonna stick and be nasty and gummy and then collect dirt. So yeah, you have to use specific glue for paper so it doesn't ripple and it's quite obnoxious. Now I want to check my Fatal Impact Unlimited Vision tape because hey, I don't remember. We'll see. But going back to the Stratum Terror, there is something that does go through both Raison d'Etre, Stratum Terror, and a lot of cold meat Swedish projects. In this second track, Nail Cincher. Gray, do you know what I'm referring to? I know Tara does because we've talked about it a lot this week. Oh, I'm curious. It is the Swedish use of Catholic or religious Chanting, Chanting, vocals, Gregorian chants. I always feel that they had a line on direct line (laughs) to these Catholic ceremonies because it's in a lot of cold meat and related projects. In fact, on Slaughter Age, there's a track that utilizes (laughs) well from a Swedish artist. And this this track has it. I I love it. I I have no problem with it. And, 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 And having grown up Going to Catholic church as a kid, I know exactly. Did they I hear sing that. in Latin? So I was they not do Catholic. at least. I don't know. It's been. I'll say it has been an incredibly long time, but it. I don't recall necessarily singing in Latin, but they do that singing. In my memory, it, it was in English, but it's that cadence when they're speaking. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yes. I was gonna say, like, you should know Latin then. 
But no. 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 Uh, if one no. of us should know Latin and you go no. to Latin mass. But this track oh, is. That would be cool. Maybe that's how I should practice. Yeah. Hey. This track is great with the weird warped vocal sample into this just atmospheric industrial track. This release finds new ways to downshift in each track. Like, <laughs> yes, like the, the pitch down vocals and then the crazy, like on the fourth track, there's this strange, intense panning that's happening. And it's so industrial, but also scary. Like you do feel like you're in a, you're in at least a basement, but probably a torture chamber it, throughout the entirety of, of this release. It has a sense of dread, especially the side long B side track. And it grows as the track goes and it gets heavier and more oppressive. I think I've used oppressive a lot for this tape because it oh. does have that feel. It, it feels does. weighted down. Yeah. It, this, I wrote tension really big at the top because each track leads you to a different type of tension. For example, the third track, it's you feel as though there's somebody in the next room who's being sawed in half or pounded upon. And in the first track, Expulsion, you get that crazy swirling and the searing tones that build and build until they fly away. And then on the second track with that strange wobbly metal and those down pitched vocals and it just seems subhuman. It's terrifying. It really is. And I just love Stratum Terror. And I think this tape is a prime example of the output. And like Grace said, there's CDs. I don't. It's been a while, I believe, since there's been a new Stratum Terror thing. While Raison Detra continues, I believe Stratum Terror, I don't believe there's been one for a while, or at least not to my knowledge. Do you are, are you aware of anything? No, I'm not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he was, you know, he toured the States with Raison yeah. some years ago. I got to catch a few of those shows and they were. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. I Where? Oh. Uh, New York and Austin. Oh, cool. And Philly. <laughs> oh, oh, cool. Ah, oh, awesome. And hey. Denton. I saw four of those shows. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> was, oh, damn. It was when Hive Mind played with Brighter Death now in New York and in Austin. Oh, cool. gotcha. It was cool. at yeah. Deutsche Nepal, Raison Date, Brighter Death Now tour. So cool. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to see that tour. Mm-mm. But oh man, how were those shows? What was the style of his live show? Uh, projections and and just being on stage, like not much of a, a production compared to like Brighter Death Now, <laughs> which put on quite a show, right. or yeah. even Deutsch Nepal, where like Lena is there, kind of you know singing at you, uh, which is still a pretty pretty minimal stage setup. But yeah, it was uh, one man behind his electronics, which is fine with me. Absolutely. And did you played with him then on one of those shows? I played. I played two of those shows. Oh, which ones? Uh, New York and Austin. So cool. I knew you did the mm-hmm. New York. I didn't realize you also did Austin. That's so cool. Yeah. That was at uh, Elysium, which is like the big goth club in Austin. Oh, right now. Where was the New York show? Acheron. I don't think I've been to either. I certainly haven't been to the one in, that you're speaking of in Austin, and I don't believe I've ever been to that venue in New York. 
yeah, that those shows brought my my total of seeing Brighter Death Now up by a good few notches. You've yeah. <laughs> seen Brighter <laughs> Death seen Now a lot. <laughs> a lot. We've actually only gotten a chance to see them in the on the recent tour when they played Los Angeles. So we've that was our one and only time. Yes, that's true. Ho- you know, hopefully, it I'm- seems that. They like to play shows, so I assume once things settle down, they're gonna. I hope come so. Back. It's they're great shows. I mean, yeah, it's it's been uh, six times I believe that I've seen Brighter Death now, so uh, I will continue to try and see them anytime I can. It's you know, it's what a project. Cool, oh, fantastic. Well, well, hey, Stratum Terror is a phenomenal project as well, absolutely. and you know, unforgettable titles. I like the name, yes. and also. The only true septic whore. I mean, yeah. come on. Septic Expulsion. forceps. I yeah. know. Expulsion, nail and censure. Hey, this won't be the last tape with a title that contains the word septic that we're going to be discussing on this. Oh, as well, <laughs> hey, you know, it really brings an image to the mind. So septic is a, a good evocative word to use, right? Gray, do you love the size of slaughter packaging? You know it. I mean, I, I mean, we just love it too. I'm looking at a shelf here in my studio that has like a bunch of these A5 envelope tapes on them, and you know, you're talking about the vellum overlay, and of course, the slogan "Breed Apart" has that as well. A lot of the slaughter tapes had that, and we see things packaged in this A5 style from a lot of the European labels, especially of the '90s, uh, old Europa, less than zero, oh, yeah. just. I don't know. It's uh, indicative of a certain kind of thing. There's bigger space for art than you get on a normal cassette tape. There, uh, you know, just paper is lighter than a normal cassette case, and you have a lot of options. And I think, especially for the Europeans, you know, it was like print it and fold it over. There was no cutting and. Mm-hmm sizing and measuring and templates and i also love the paper choices i mean just the the like the flower paper on the stratum terror or this sort of weird gray on the slow gun you know Uh uh-huh i guess we should talk about a breed apart by slogan Look, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that we're slogan fans. Yep. And mm-hmm. have been for a long damn time. Actually, the first time I saw Brighter Death, now slogan was also on the bill. And yeah, just uh, been, a, been a fan for a long time. And I certainly bought this tape in the 90s. Some, I don't even know where. Where'd you get tapes back then? I barely remember. <laughs> you could have gotten it from maybe self abuse, maybe I might have got it from from Slogan himself, actually. But, oh, sure, 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 absolutely, oh, yeah, from absolutely. The circle of shit, uh, mail yeah. order. Well, or even you know, we we just talked with Chad of Subclinic, and there was a time when maybe maybe a subterranean was carrying some slaughter stuff, or there were other dishes, or maybe malignant, you know. So there were avenues to get a lot of the European stuff at a time. And a breed apart is a really great look at the early slogan era sacrifice unto me will to kill and breed apart are, I associate those three. They are the, 
first slogan tapes, and I do think they have a connection sonically. You said this is, is, it, a is C40, it, is but a, as we mentioned, the labels on mine have never been stuck to it. Uh, so I can very easily tell that it is a TDK Type 2 CDing to 46. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you wow, go. 46? So I was approximating. Hello. Uh, but that is cool that it, again, it's that thing, right, where we sort of get excited about the mm-hmm. actual tape that was used when it is a <laughs> store-bought tape now. The things we tried to hide. Yes. Then. <laughs> and still would, but it gets exciting. So, yes, it is. I guess a little more than 40. But immediately we have this cover, this very striking cover. A woman tied up. And gagged. with Under the vellum overlay. And that woman is actually a victim of one of the subjects on this tape. She is a victim of Harvey Glattman. Glattman is the last track on the tape. Harvey Glattman was a serial killer in the late 50s, and he was known as the Lonely Hearts Killer, among some other names, because he would seek out women in ads, whether or not they were modeling ads or Lonely Hearts ads. Contact them. With models, it would be under the presumption that he's a photographer taking pictures, and he was a photographer, and he did take pictures of them. Yeah. They were unwilling pictures on their end, and they would be murdered after those pictures. So the woman on the cover is a real woman really tied up and gagged by Harvey Glattman and would be one of his victims. And those photographs are so chilling because they do have... Kind of a strange look of resignation. And I I guess I always assumed they didn't know what he was going to do at this point. And maybe they thought that they were still doing a job as a model or that this would be over soon. And it's just they're incredibly strange and ominous and dark. When you see pictures, real pictures like that of victims, there are not a lot, but there are pictures that killers had taken before their murders that have gotten into the public after mm-hmm. their antecedent behavior. Exactly. And there is something haunting about them because they don't look like a horror movie. Yeah. There is a, a look that isn't the woman screaming in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, it's something that you can't recreate because it's so real. And and you can't imagine. Yeah, 100 percent. It's too real. And I think this using this as the cover is. Adds to the entire work of slogan, which obviously would be so steeped in true crime. And especially a lot of the other American artists around this time were heavily steeped in true crime as well as marco right i mean it's the darker side of humanity here and that's something that's just intrinsic to slaughter productions to me and yeah these photos have always looked really disturbing for their their simplicity you know the ladies are fully clothed they're in a chair or whatever it looks like a motel room or something but it's 
the just the terror on their faces is this different sort of energy for it. And then you have the contents of this cassette, which is kind of, I mean, that, that peak early slogan, the before there's sort of a period of slogan that got uh, loud, like everything was loud and overloaded and really brutal. But some of the earlier tapes are, they're loud. They're, they're full of sound, but they're, it's this atmospheric din that's really uncomfortable and the vocals aren't the sort of shouted vocals that we're used to on the later material it's these almost these whispers and these sort of thoughts inside your head and that makes this stuff really special to me because it's different there wasn't anything that sounded like this in 96 i can't think of anything like this was uniquely still not much well yeah while many people have been influenced by him there's just this is really its own approach to power electronics that whisper the loud whisper yeah right that's you hear on sacrifice unto me you Mm -hmm. hear it on will to kill and then also the half spoken that you hear on the second track, he would go on to do that. But again, it would be a little more up in the mix on later releases. Mm -hmm. This, everything is covered in this tense and psychotic haze. Yeah. It's like he dumped whiteout on the tape and then cracked it away. Like it, it, it always, I've heard this, you know, I've been hearing this tape for a long time. It still hits me as just like a special kind of sound whenever I pop on those earlier slogan tapes because of there's just a production there and a type of sound there that is really uncommon. And that's what the mid 90s were to me for this kind of stuff. Like hearing these tapes, this everything had its own sound and slaughter productions had its own sound and then artists working with slaughter have even when we talked to chad of subclinic about working with marco you know he would say he'd send stuff and then marco wouldn't necessarily comment like i want to release this whatever so he knew marco knew what he was looking for and artists also knew what kind of stuff to send for the aesthetic of the label and i think that's of important aspect the curatorial aspect but also people who are friends and fans of your label understanding what they're working towards and what, what they're going to be a part of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has a vibe of absolute suppressed violence and also a threat. Like when you get those track two words coming through, it's five 30 in the fucking morning. It, it does feel like you're, you're being threatened with something and somebody is actively trying to suppress the chaos and mania of their own mind. And you get something like Wicked King Wicker, of course, about David Berkowitz. And for me, that track was prowling nighttime in New York. Mm -hmm. It was threatening. It has this hot hiding and prowling. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, slogan would, use a lot of 
serial killers multiple times as subjects, Berkowitz being one, especially with one of the absolutely classic lathe seven inches 44 about Berkowitz. Pitch perfect slogan. And another subject that we get on a few releases from a few different but related artists, we have a track called Blind Fury. Now, Blind Fury is the book about Gerald Stano. Of course, we did an episode on Mark Solotroff's Murder 7-Inch about Stano. But there's two other projects that have tracks called Blind Fury. One of them's A Tracks Mork. The other one, Bloody Minded on the True Crime album, which is all the titles are titles of true crime paperbacks. But I love that, that they're taking this term, a title from a book, and reusing it and using it as their own. And the Blind Fury track here is nighttime in Florida in Stano's car on the prowl. This is a threatening, evil sounding track. You get the full embodiment of a evil prowler and a crumbling city and muffled cries out of blind fury. Again, there's that theme of just suppression and strangeness and something hiding that goes all the way through a breed apart. And I absolutely love it. The focus on true crime is one of those things that has been used a lot, but slogan always brings a unique perspective to it. And there's an insert in this, which is stamped with the FTW and slogan stamps on the back. And it says a breed apart. Most people have seen, if only for a moment, the emotional cauldron that sees behind the thin membrane of humanity. For some, a rip in this frail barrier may unleash enough demons to drive good people to murder. Mystery writers, after all, make their livings from the notion that nearly anyone properly prodded can be moved to kill. The stories that follow, however, concern murderers of a special breed. These are men propelled by something terrible, perhaps unknowable, to murder and beyond. Some inner twist of rage, lust, impotence, or power, skewed intelligence, or reptilian stupidity renders them monstrous and makes killing a mere adjunct to the further unspeakable violations they perform. Thus sampling this clutch of vampires, cannibals, necrophiles, and other oddities who murder again and again, one looks in vain for that cornerstone of ordinary crime, a motive that can be understood in human terms. And such a fitting statement and sentiment to put with this work. And in a way, to me, I mean, it elevates it beyond pure shock value. Oh, definitely. Slogan's interest in true crime is far beyond that. And in fact, I feel that a lot of the artists around this time that were dealing with true crime, intrinsic action, slogan, death pile, they went far deeper into true crime than a lot of people have or did. And while some people from that era have moved on from dealing with the subject of true crime, I can safely say that I never got over it, and it never gets old to me. So I will always welcome a new take on true crime, 
a new angle for an old case or just looking at different details and layers to true crime cases. And Slogan was always going deep. I mean, the cover of The Pleasures of Death that just lists the serial killers, I recognize two or three, four maybe, have looked up yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> but he was on another level. And the other thing is, you got to remember, you got to keep in mind, this is books, newspapers. Yeah. Maybe they were going to the library for some microfiche. Hit the microfiche, yeah. <laughs> but but this, this was not, not a Google search. This was not a no. Google search. This was not a Crime documentary. Crimelibrary.com, no. No, Mm-mm. yeah. I mean, there may have been some some documentaries back then, but they were mostly local TV documentaries or well, specials also the era of vhs tape trading and scavenging so you mm-hmm. would have mm-hmm. people sending you know geraldo episodes right. or something to each other where they had a serial killer on you you didn't have your dvr you didn't have your youtube to check it out you right. had to find other people who were interested interested in this stuff place an ad place a classified ad write to people uh, include your address on things in order to get this sort of material sent to you and have things to trade for it. And it's in retrospect, you can look at it and think of that. It's easy because you don't have to deal with those obstacles, but it's not easy. It wasn't easy. Not at all. The paperbacks hunting these things down. And speaking of looking at, not always the obvious killers. The first track, Schaefer, would be about Gerard Schaefer, someone I was unfamiliar with mm-hmm. until this release. And he was a sheriff's deputy in Florida in the 70s who was convicted of murdering two women, claimed to have murdered over 30, and was killed in jail in 1995. But one incident of his that started leading to his downfall, the house of cards falling in was that one night he had kidnapped two girls and took them to a forest where he tied them up and let them know he was going to be killing them. But at that moment he got called away on police duty. So he left them there and told them he'd be back. Well, they were able to get out of their restraints. They took off. By the time he got back, they were gone. He calls the sheriff and basically confesses. He says, but he says, oh, I was playing a little playing a joke, prank, playing, playing a, a prank. I told these women I was going to kidnap them and kill them. And the sheriff's <laughs> like, yeah, that's not what you were doing. He was immediately stripped of his badge, of course, and charged. But. But isn't that the fascination as trying to look for warning signs? trying to find out what can turn someone's mind into that of a killer. Like, how do you know how someone's a killer? What contributes to all these factors? It's just endlessly fascinating. Endlessly. And after that, he would abduct and kill two women who he was then charged and convicted of. But as I said, he claimed to have killed dozens and was murdered in his cell in 1995. But I was unaware of that case and John he always will send you down a great investigative hole of true crime 
just just read the cover of the Pleasures of Death. You gotta you you have a year yep. of new cases to get into. And I just think the slogan Corbelli connection is perfect. It makes absolute sense. It it makes yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, slogan and the Italians, I think in general, just seems to fit. Yep. The slogan Gloria Murder released on So Fit and Macabre. Exactly. And of course, the Die song, which is a part of Listen and Die. Of course, along with A Track, Skin Crime. Bacillus is on that. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic, legendary cassette compilation set. So, a breed apart, absolute classic early slogan, absolute classic slaughter. And like. The Stratum Terror, this is available on Slogan's Bandcamp, as well as the reissue CD that Solotroff and John put out that pairs A Breed Apart and The Die Song. So definitely available and definitely well worth your ear time for sure. Absolutely. Defective merchandise. This was one that we were not familiar with as much as a contagious orgasm zone we got in last year. Mm -hmm. Really devoured a lot of contagious Mm -hmm. orgasm on our recent exploration video on the Patreon. We discussed the Confession of Mannequin package. And actually, we'll go ahead and say now that our next exploration video is going to be all of these releases. We're going to show the packaging and discuss a little more all three of these as well as Slaughter Age. So that will be our next video on Monday. So stay tuned for that. But this was a contagious orgasm that was brand new to us. And wow, what a release this page has a lot of hearts on it (laughs) i'm glad i really like this one right down to you know again slaughter packaging this gold paper it's that uh ribbed for lack of a better term paper that's you know half matte half gloss sort of lines down it i don't know where to find this if you got the plug (laughs) (laughs) it was like it's great favorite paper (laughs) and the very simple art on it is so contagious orgasm to me. I love the the logo where contagious is the same width as orgasm, you know, like a, uh, it's just a very simple use of type, but I like it on all those old contagious orgasm tapes. And I like the sort of weird anatomical drawing stuff on this where it looks very crude and nasty. It's contagious orgasm meeting with slaughter productions. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain elegance to those illustrations, though, because they are, you know, anatomical old textbook drawings and etchings. And black shelled tape with the classic label logo stuck on it. Also gold and black. So this whole thing was a really nice package and a vellum insert. So the vellum here is not on the outside, as with a lot of the tapes, it is on the inside and has all the track listing. And of course, Contagious Orgasm uh, continuously playing on his label name, SSSM. Yes. So mm-hmm. every title here it has 
just some extra letters in it <laughs> to make sure that they all fit, which I, I really I love that. like. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's charming. It's charming. It is. It's one of those traits that you're like, OK, he just he just did it. And this is where we have septic segmentation SM. So we have another title with septic. Yeah. It. And this particularly was the tape where Tara and I had this moment of, oh, wow. Contagious Orgasm definitely created this for Slaughter in particular. And actually, mm -hmm. there's even a track title, SS Slaughter Music. Yes. So clearly he had Slaughter in mind. He had Marco in mind because this is cold synthesized contagious orgasm. It's not that warm something like flow of sound without parameter on ground. Yeah, or floating out in, in space this, or something like this that. This is cold death synth contagious orgasm. Yeah, this is I, I was describing the second track as self-condemnation, as melting, as hiding in a trash can at a factory that makes UFOs. Like something's happening somewhere else, but you are isolated in a tiny, small space. The word melting in the title gives away so much about this cassette to me because it is really melted. It is still psychedelic contagious orgasm and produced in his sort of trademark techniques, I think. But there's, there is something so slaughter about it. While listening to it, I was almost thinking he must have heard like sickness report or, you know, like he, he had something oh, yeah. in mind mm -hmm. when he was making this that was it gearing towards it. And it shows because it's SS substance modulation is just that it is just mutated, modulated, weird, contagious orgasm, mm -hmm. very singular in its nature in the way that Marco would make tracks that were very straightforward. This feels in that vein. And then you have yeah the total abstraction of s self-condemnation s melting oh absolutely you for sure get the feeling that he was very familiar with slaughter and contagious orgasm was a japanese artist who would work with a lot of european labels much like escore in a way that a other Japanese artists didn't necessarily. They crossed a lot of different boundaries. And I think that's something that gives Contagious Orgasm that little something different that sets it off. And even on his comps, he would work with people like everyone from Skin Crime to other European artists, other artists that would work with Slaughter, Cold Meat, crossed a lot of different areas. And I think that's one of the great things about Contagious Orgasm. And also, Marco worked with so many different people. And like mm -hmm. we stated in the beginning, one of the reasons that we picked the three releases we picked is because it showcases the different elements that Marco would draw from for Slaughter. You have Stratum Terra from Sweden. He would work with the Swedish crew a lot. You have Slogan from the States. And of course, there was people from the States he would work with. Richard Ramirez, Macronympha. Subclinic. Subclinic, yeah. exactly. And then you have Contagious Orgasm from Japan. So you have a true international look at underground 
sound from this time. And Slaughter has this way of pulling these artists together and framing them in this way that gives you a sense of continuity. Everything from Stratum Terror to Fatal Impact to 666 Volt Battery Noise to Contagious Orgasm to Subclinic to A-Tracks and back again. And I think that's the true power of Slaughter Productions. And these are all 1996. So there is a continuity to the packaging, to the look, but they're all so vastly different. Yeah. And yeah, we actually didn't necessarily look at the years when we picked the things. <laughs> it just happened to be that we did yeah. pick all tapes that were released in 96. But some of the earliest slot, I think 93, I want to say. Beating the Meats, 93. I want to say Black Slaughter in Search of Death or 93 and so this is when slaughter is in full swing and slaughter was incredibly productive for its entire run that's wild yeah and you know maybe next year we pick a bunch of slaughter tapes you've never heard of because there's there so many are, there are 100 percent releases <laughs> that i don't know what it is yeah, there's so many Still. strange ones, one-off projects, side projects, weird things, collaborations, and projects that worked in their own little pockets that also connected with Marco on that level. The length of this tape is a C30, and again, it's effective because it sticks with you. You repeat it, you listen to it mm -hmm. over, and the... That septic track, septic segmentation. Oh my god! Ugh. Just death, That's industrial insane. orgasm. It has this. It's just that perfect death industrial vibe, but coming from contagious orgasm. So it's a little different. It's his own thing. His you own just, take on it. You just get this feeling with any contagious orgasm, Hiroshi Hashimoto, that. He has been thinking about it and that everything is just so psychological and it takes you to places not only, you know, in your mind's eye that are that are, you know, internally visual, but also psychological like this septic segmentation SM. It, I absolutely got what you're getting, Mike. I'm just like, this is bugs and murder. This is a static brain. This is this would fit in with Twilight Zone. It would be a perfect soundtrack for it. Like. He just can create such lovely, evocative moods that are both otherworldly and absolutely of this world so much that you just feel them. Twilight Zone is a great reference point for Contagious Orgasm because it's a very diverse show that has so many weird elements to it. And mm -hmm. each episode can be different, but it's still Twilight Zone. And that's sort of Contagious Orgasm to me is... I recognize the elements of contagious orgasm in this tape. And I hear sort of some of the way that he approaches putting his sounds together, but it's through this different lens and it, this gives a different view on that same process and that same approach to sound. And that's why it's so great. That's why all those early contagious orgasm tapes to me are just liquid gold. I mean, they're, really diverse and I feel like he was someone who didn't then and doesn't now have any rules he makes mm -hmm. him up as he goes He's, he changes his own rules living with in each that release. moment yeah. it's very in the moment I agree with you Gray 
and just to have something like this on Slaughter. Of course, there's Atrax and Contagious Orgasm would do a collaboration. But this existing on Slaughter just makes it that much more special. And like you said, Gray, the art is just so perfect. Mm -hmm. Excited to show it on our video and we'll discuss it a little more. But this is just, again, Burrito Parts Pitch Perfect early slogan. This is Pitch Perfect Contagious Orgasm that I don't even know what era to assign it to because it's just its <laughs> own unique thing. And Marco was great at curating. What a curator, you mm -hmm. know, what a curator. He had a vision and he had a vision of who he wanted to work with. And he really made it rea a reality. And when you look at everything together, it's just this, incredible world he created and he would do lps 12 inches cds he didn't lim limit himself to one format he did what each release called for and i think that's the power of slaughter productions i think it will forever be held in the regard that we hold it and we know we will forever hold it in the highest regard. Yeah. And I think as the years go on, it will only grow in people looking back and seeing what a time, what a world Marco created. And it's just pressed inspiration. Yeah. If it came out on slaughter, I want to hear it. There's no question. And like you said, Gray, there's still projects I don't know what it is, but man, I want to hear. It. And there's projects that it's the only thing is one slaughter tape, maybe. Yeah. And I feel, especially with a lot of this stuff, Marco wasn't making a hundred tapes and packing them all together. He would make maybe 10. He would make the artist copies and have some materials on hand to make them as the orders were filled. So some of those more unknown tapes, especially back when you had to get uh international money order or send some lira over to get your tapes. Mm-hmm. There might not be that many of those tapes. There might not be a hundred or two hundred. There might be two hundred of the slogan because maybe it was a popular one, but there might be thirty of one of them because yeah, it, what people weren't weren't grabbing at it in nineteen ninety seven. You know, I didn't think about that, Greg, because I always ordered from Triple R, Self Abuse, yeah. etc. Yeah, something in the U.S. Was that international money order? Was that how it would have been done pre? Yeah. And be and pre Euro, like you said, it was it would have been in lira. God, yeah, yeah. Or, you never sent I've, lira or Deutschmarks. <laughs> I always pretty much did American distros or waited for American distro. Any time I would have done that, it would have already been at least PayPal would have been around. I trying to think if I sent an international money order. I forgot about those until you mentioned them. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those were that was that was the old way. And I remember getting all those. I mean, I still have, you know, I, I mentioned this before, but I kept a lot of my catalogs, mail order catalogs and stuff from back then. And if pull out an old triple R catalog and start looking at prices, you will <laughs> you will kick yourself for not grabbing pretty much everything in there. Oh yeah, but brother. I 
I remember these, you know, seeing these prices in these foreign currencies and you, even calculating how much to send. How many Swedish kroner do I need yeah. to right, right. send? Like, how much is that in US dollars? And not having like my phone, I can just look up like how much it's a is a little more challenging, fi- you know, 530 Swedish kroner today. Well, it changed a lot because like when I was in France, I would play the exchange rate. There would be good days and bad days. And if there was a good day, I would just flip it all back and forth. Hey, constantly. just, just, throw <laughs> just it on. why not? Yeah. It's like, because like, who knows? Like by the time you sent it over, it might be the wrong amount. Wow. Well, Slaughter Productions, one of the greatest labels of all time. We will, of course be discussing another Slaughter release on our annual Atrax episode coming up. But we're also going to be discussing another Slaughter release over on the Patreon right now as we're going to dig into Slaughter Age 95. So we will see you over there. And we'll continue our October episodes. And I'll say now, we love this month so much that everyone is getting a bonus episode this month. We have some pretty cool interviews lined up, and one of them is going to be an extra episode the week of Halloween. So you're getting two full episodes the week leading into All Hallows' Eve. So stay tuned for those. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artist for over 17 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.